Get on Team Shaq with WinBet. We're playing parlays, boosting odds, and laying the wildest prop bets. Don't miss another game. Download the WinBet sports betting app today. Sign up today and win $200 in free bets when you place a $10 first-time wager on a straight bet or parlay. That's $200 that you can use for all the upcoming basketball action, including the men's basketball tournament. If you bet at least $500 during the first and second round of the tournament, you can get a trip to the five-star rated Win Las Vegas. Offer subject to change, terms, and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in a state where playthrough winbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode number 37 of the That's So Mets podcast. Opening day is in the books. Not the result we wanted, but a lot to go through. And of course, it's not just going to be recapping a game that I'm sure many of you will want to forget about. But we'll talk about everything going on with this team, whether it's the bullpen, the management, the lineup, a lot of things across the board. As always, we'll answer your questions. So a fun show. I know Joe and I are looking forward to when we are recapping a week's full of games for everyone. But we'll just kind of zone in on on the big one. Uh, that was Monday night. So, Joe, one game in the books, many left, a long summer ahead of us. How are we doing? Doing all right. Like you said, there's a lot of games left. Unfortunate ending to, to the game last night. But all in all, I mean, I'm just glad baseball's back. And the fun part about baseball, and I know, obviously, you cover football, too. Like, football, if the Cowboys or Jets lose, we have to sulk on that for six days until they get to play again whereas baseball eh, last night stunk but guess what they're going to be on in a couple hours and they could redeem and just and just move past it but yeah really excited to get going tough loss you know it kind of is what it is and there's a few things that I think we definitely need to hit on from the game that I think are you know debatable topics Right. It is funny, like especially with the Mets starting late. I had built that game up to like be the Super Bowl in my head that I was so emotionally invested in every inning that when you look at it, it was like so frustrating with the big inning blow up. And then, of course, they start clawing away with two outs and their last at bats. And, and then you think the bat, the ball is leaving the yard when it goes off Pete's bat and it doesn't. And it's just like and then like 10 minutes after that, I was like, oh, they play tomorrow. And, like, if they win tomorrow, it's like, yeah, you kind of forget about it. That's what's the, the beauty in baseball is really that, you know, the highs and lows, but how quick they are. I would say, like you said, rather than just sulking on a loss for six to seven, eight, nine, ten, if it's a bye week, forget it, or anything like that. It's just, it just comes and goes so quickly in baseball. And, you know, just starting with the good, Jacob DeGrom was, even while not perfect, I think. It just goes to show you how incredible he is. That even when he leaves a couple of pitches up, he's just so good that it's it's unfair. I mean, consistently in the sixth inning, throwing 100 plus miles an hour. Uh, I think the offense had flashes, but just couldn't blow the game open. Which to me is the story, and no one's talking about that. I like. Sure, we are going to go through some questionable de- decisions by Rojas and part of that whole not blowing the game open he's involved in the bullpen because that's going to be a season-long discussion or at least very prominent while Lugo is out these next couple weeks and other various things but when it comes down to it you know that was the story to me not the Guillaume throw 
or anything like that, or the failed rally, or whatever it is. It's just that you gotta blow. You have the type of offense that needs to blow games open when there are ducks on the pond. You gotta get it done. So I'll start right there, I guess. That before taking Degrom out, before the missed throw home, before this rally that fell short. What did you think of not only Kevin Pillar starting this game and making a pretty significant play right in the first inning, but then more so not going to Dom when the bases were loaded and a righty had come in on the mound in relief? I was really not all that upset that Kevin Pillar was starting, to be honest. When I saw it, I was like, okay, it makes sense. I mean... Yeah, it's opening day. You want to play, quote-unquote, your best players, but you also want to position yourself strategically as well. I think the lefty having Matt Moore on the mound certainly you know, helped in the decision, but also I think Louis Rojas was looking out for Jacob deGrom, and he said, for deGrom, let's get the best defensive alignment that we could out there while not punting offense. But I, I'm with you. I think the, the, the real questionable decision for me by Rojas was not pulling Pilar in the fourth with the bases loaded, one out with a righty in, and going to Dom Smith there to potentially blow the game open. Doesn't mean Dom would have been successful. He could have grounded grounded into a double play too. But I think he would have been, you know, in a better position for success. And of course, Pilar did the absolute worst case scenario in that uh, in that spot too. Like. If Pilar got a sacrifice fly, the conversation's a little different. Heck, if he struck out, the, the conversation's maybe even a little different. But the fact that he did exactly what the Phillies wanted him to do, which was ground to a double play, it really hurt. So for me, I think that's the decision that Rojas made that I have kind of the most issue issue with. But ultimately, pl- starting Pilar, I thought was logical, and I didn't have I didn't really didn't have a huge qualm with it. I know. Everyone freaked out that Dom wasn't in the lineup. Dom's going to play a ton of games. He's playing tonight. I I think I haven't seen the lineup, but I think he's playing tonight. And yeah, he's going to play a ton. Pilar will play some. And Pilar made a nice defensive play, like you mentioned. You know, hitting the cutoff on the Hoskins uh, attempted triple. Perfectly played off the wall. Perfectly thrown the McNeil. And, and they nabbed him. If Dom was in left and Nimmo is in center... Hoskins is probably at third base. So I think all in all, it was okay. I, I I don't lose my stuff on the manager like a lot of fans do, especially day to day. Like, yeah, there's going to be decisions that work, decisions that don't. Um, but certainly I question the not pulling Pilar for Dom in the fourth, especially. And I know Rojas cited the defense, but you have Albert Almora on the bench for a reason. So if push came to shove, you could have, you know, pulled Dom late or pulled Nimmo late, whatever the case may be, and threw Almora in center for defense. So, you, I think he had the had the defensive option on the bench that he he didn't utilize. That was my exact going to be my exact argument. That was my problem. And then this topic really starts from one of our questions that was thrown in the rundown. It's from James Terry. He said not hitting Dom with the bases loaded was a mistake. And I, I agree with James. I know you agree with James. It's not that Pilar started the game. I Once again, I do think there's something to not starting Dom on opening day. I didn't love that. I know it's matchup-based. I know 
they were treating it like any other game. I thought Dom should be out there opening day, but I got over that really quickly and don't mind going with a little bit more of a defensive lineup. And of course, Pilar against the lefty, even though I think he was like one for 11 previously against Moore, it's still, he, he has really hit well, obviously, off of lefties in recent history where it's okay. But situational base, I'd like to see them be more aggressive. Like, you have DeGrom on the mound, number one. So if you blow that game open, you're in control. And DeGrom was so good that they were somehow in control even with a 2 nothing game. But you really got to be more aggressive to blow the game open when you have a clear-cut matchup on the mound. And then besides that, that's the, the last point you made, Joe, is the most important one. You're carrying Almora. You have two center fielders on your bench. So the night that you decided to start one, you still have insurance behind them. Like most teams, if they were starting what is going to be their fourth outfielder, which for the Mets is Pilar, when they start him, you probably sit there and go like, wow, we really don't want to have to pinch hit him early or at all because he's our defensive guy. We need him out there to close this game. But the Mets are in this weird situation where they have two center fielders that are supposed to be at least average, a little bit above average in their best years out there, or well above average in their best years out there in center field, where you have the insurance. That's the risk. That's the play you got to make. Like Elmora can come in and hold down center field just as adequately as Pilar can or close to it. So... I de- that was my biggest problem with the game. I, and we're going to get into taking out Zergram. We're going to get into the bulk, all of those things. But I don't, those things don't matter to me, like not going for the kill shot did. And that's, the Mets have a very talented lineup. The Mets have a very talented starting rotation, uh, especially when it's really healthy. The bullpen's thin. I think you need to play to your strengths and be an aggressive offensive team early. So you can maybe ride the starters a little longer or put less pressure on the bullpen. There's just a lot of things there. There, I'm not going to be the guy that people are just truly absurd after one game, the reactions Rojas gets. And I'm sitting here on our pod not agreeing with what he did in opening day. But I don't want to do this whole season where we overanalyze every move he made that's right and wrong. Like, Sure, he made some mistakes night one, but it's just, I don't know, it just becomes a little exhausting at some point. That was the big one for me. Um, So I'll just, I'll sneak in a question here in the middle of all of this because it kind of has to do with this conversation. I'm just going to pull our questions throughout the show. From Johnny, he goes, so I can understand playing Pilar against the lefty, but do you have any rationalization as to why Rojas would bat him leadoff? This ensures that Pilar, the worst hitter in the lineup, Gets the most opportunities at the plate. Nimmo should have left off even with the lefty on the mound. Joe, what do you think of that from Johnny? I was a little surprised that he was batting leadoff. With that said, he absolutely mashes lefties. So I wouldn't go as far as to say that he was the worst hitter in the lineup, at least versus lefties. And yes, you pointed out his stats versus Matt Moore. Um, When's the last time he faced Matt Moore? Maybe when Matt Moore was actually good. Um, Or in the United States. (laughs) Yeah, or in the United States. So it's probably been a minute since Pilar even faced him. But 11 at-bats is certainly not a sample size. That's going to make me go nuts. Um, But batting him leadoff was a little peculiar. I I personally would have bat Nimmo leadoff, so I'm with Johnny there. But if if you were insistent on putting 
Pilar in the leadoff spot, I would have batted, uh, bat, not batted, uh, DeGrom 8th and put Nimmo ninth and had that dual leadoff hitter deal. Uh, that's probably the route I would have gone if you were insistent on Pilar being leadoff, but totally agree with Johnny there. Nimmo should be leading off basically every day, righty, lefty, I don't care. He's the best on-base person on this team. He's going to get on, a, whether you're it's a lefty or righty, he's going to be he's gonna be on base. So you want him getting on for the bulk of the lineup, not for the pitcher spot. Yeah, I mean, that, that makes sense. I think there were obviously scenarios, and it's funny how well DeGrom hit, ironically, but I still agree with you. And I think that, you know, when you look at Nimmo, he's just so good at getting on base. It's hard to even overthink him anymore as not this everyday. And I'm from day one, I've told you, I'm not like this big Nimmo guy. And I know you really like Nimmo and, and there's absolutely value in him, but you just look at what he does best. I mean, it just makes sense to lead him off. He gets on base. He finds a way to draw walks. Um, he's obviously looked very good since he came back healthy from, I believe it was the 2000. 19 injury or but I mean overall it, the Mets are in a weird spot because it feels like people are going to be angry at the lineup every day because somebody is going to get what looks like the short end of the stick whether it's Nimmo not leading off whether it's McNeil batted too low it's all really interesting and at the same time it's it's nice to have right like it's nice to have a guy that can drive in runs like McNeil batting sixth or seventh I mean, it's a luxury. Now, you're also going to be rewarded the luxury of that if some guys start out cold, like we've seen Conforto be wildly streaky, that you can re you could start to move the big pieces, right? Like you can your three hitter can go down to six, like things like that. So, one game in a long season, a lot of different lineup decisions ahead. But yeah, it is it's tough sure. to not have Dom Smith out there a lot, right? I mean, he's just. Oh, yeah. He might be the best pure hitter on the team. And I know people will look at me and think I'm crazy when you look at who's in this lineup. But I'm talking about like at-bat by at-bat in terms of power, ability to hit the ball in gaps, and, and the, his approach at the plate is so calm. Like there's times where you see Pete or Conforto or even Lindor and McNeil. McNeil hits swings at every first pitch. They go up there hacking. And it's okay. That's why they're great hitters. But Dom, it just feels like every at-bat is so measured that – I think they need his balance in the lineup as much as they can. And I think Dom's going to play most of the time. It just so happens he didn't play the first game. I don't think this is going to be a trend. I don't think Dom's going to sit against every lefty. But, you know, they'll they'll pick and choose their spots. And you'll have days where Nimmo sits instead of Dom. And, you know, you'll work it out. And to your point, this lineup has so much talent. You know, we can argue who the best pure hitter is or anything like that. I probably lean McNeil, but it's... It's close. I mean, there's so many good hitters. You could you could play the streaks, and I think that's what a good manager will do. Like, I don't need Louis Rojas to throw the same lineup out there every day. I need him to be flexible because, frankly, you should be looking into the matchups. How does – not even necessarily, you know, as kind of simplistic as what is, you know, whoever's numbers versus this specific pitcher – but, okay, this pitcher is primarily a curveball pitcher, so how does this hitter fare against left-handed curveball pitchers? And things like that. So you could go to the next level, and that's kind of the use of analytics for for lineup uh, lineup construction. But, yeah, Dom's going to play a ton, a ton. I'm not worried about it. 
he just didn't play day one. He should have been in there in the fourth inning. But, you know, to your point about the manager and Connor, welcome to really being in baseball media and Mets oh, Twitter. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a daily thing of crapping on the manager. I think it's kind of a prerequisite is to rip the manager for the lineup decisions. But ultimately, I think it's a big picture thought. I think managers get too much crap in baseball. I think for the most part, most of the decisions that they make, there's logic behind it, even if you don't understand it at the moment. And these guys got to perform. I mean, if Trevor May pitched the eighth inning like he should have, Edwin Diaz slams the door in the ninth, the Mets are 1-0, and and no one's killing Rojas, and it's a win. It's just the fact that it, it didn't work out. He pitched his, you know, his second best reliever in the eighth inning. Seems perfectly logical to me, and just it oh. just, it just didn't happen. That's an unfortunate reality. Is you can make the right decision and get the wrong result, and then vice versa. You can make the wrong decision and have it actually pan out for you. So it's it's an inexact science that everyone's always trying to perfect. Well, this naturally segues to the other part of the show. Now that we got the whole not hitting Dom and the lineup and everything. We're going to talk about the bullpen and taking DeGrom out. Now, before we get to the bullpen, when they took DeGrom out, I kind of shook my head and said this is too early. But at the end of the day, it didn't affect anything because Castro, as much as it was, there was some hard contact and it was a little bit of a rocky road, he got through the seventh inning. Uh, On paper, at the end of the day, it looks like it was fine. Like, it doesn't matter. He got through the seventh inning fine. If DeGrom pitched the seventh, then we'll assume he got through it okay. Trevor May is still pitching the eighth. So that decision ultimately did not really make a difference. On the second side of it, to continue to defend it, and like I said, initial reaction, I was upset. I'm a believer. I'm I'm not on Keith's side on a lot of his, like, old-school thought processes of the game. And I'm a huge Keith guy. I love him. He's hilarious in the booth. But a lot of times... His like drawing, like putting his foot in the ground and sticking with the old ways of the game, I don't typically agree on. I do agree with Keith that there's a lot of overthinking going on in baseball. And I felt like there was a little bit of that with DeGrom. And you hear Bryce Harper say it after the game, like they were happy to see him out. I do think it changes the mindset of a struggling lineup. Like when DeGrom comes out of the game, you start to lick your chops and go, we're only down two runs. We have three innings left. We can get back in this. Like I said, they made really hard contact against Castro. He got through it. Great. And when Trevor May came out, it was messy. When Loop came in, it was messy. Like it it was a really, really messy eighth inning for a lineup that looked like the lights came on. They were all of a sudden rejuvenated when DeGrom came out. But once again, like I said, I've grown to accept this and that it didn't make it ultimately a huge difference. My other thing is, and I know you have hinted at this, Joe, I do think they were trying not to burn him out knowing that he's starting Saturday. And I think that is a very fair thing in all of this is that they are probably sitting there going, we have a home start against the Marlins Saturday with DeGrom on the hill. We're going to push him then. We are going to be ready. There's no 100-pitch limit. There's none of this. We are going to really push him to get seven or eight innings out of him in that start if all goes right. We're not. Everybody's fresh right now in the bullpen now. We got guys that can get us through the three innings. They were wrong, but that was the thought process where 
ultimately in the end, I it, taking DeGrom out, I just kind of shrugged my shoulders sitting here talking about it the day after. But of course we have to, and I, I want your take on DeGrom, but of course we have to get to the bullpen that you and I said this for months or at least a month now. I remember, forget when we got the injury news. It's just not going to be easy with Seth Lugo out. It's just not. It's it's the Achilles heel of the team. Um, credit to them, they fought in the ninth. They you know they they were two feet away from going uh, taking the lead again. But I think when you look at it, Trevor May had a rough outing. What I mean for the people that just freak out about the guy right away, like uh, you know when's his next Twitch stream? Like just stop doing that, please. I'm just begging you. Like the guy had a bad outing. Relievers are volatile. They have bad outings. It happens. I mean, Loop looked beyond rattled. So, what? this is just, it's a thin bullpen. And without Lugo, it's a dangerously thin bullpen. And I don't care what names you throw at me. There, There's really no creative way. You just got to hope for the best that you, you know, you can just get to Diaz when you can. And I, I do have confidence May is going to be fine. But it's just not this deep or star-studded bullpen and man, did they need they needed Lugo in the worst way yesterday, and they that just goes to show you how badly they need him this season. Yeah, I mean we we've said it like you said for a month here. That, well, is that surprising? Yeah, the bullpen is something they're going to have to find a way to navigate. There's no way around it. I mean, I know I've had people tweet me to sign Shane Green, but Shane Green hasn't pitched. He didn't go to spring. Tra- he wasn't at spring training anywhere. So it's not like you're just signing Shane Green, dropping him in the bullpen tomorrow, and then he's your eighth inning guy. So you, you got to navigate with what you got. There's no way around it. They have to pitch better. Trevor May, and I give him some credit. He faced the media, which a lot of relievers tend to avoid after bad outings, but he went right and he's like, look, bad day at the office. It's not the first time I gave up runs. It's not going to be the last time. And I, I agree with you that I think May is going to be okay. I think he's a quality, you know, seventh, eighth inning reliever. And you just need to give him give him a give him a shot. He's he's gonna pitch just fine. Aaron Loop, like you said, looked incredibly rattled coming into that situation, but I guess bases loaded against Bryce Harper will do that to a lot of people. But they just it's gonna be tough until Lugo gets back. I mean, Miguel Castro looked nice last night. If he lo- if he can locate that fastball, Miguel Castro is going to be a major X factor in this bullpen, and they just need someone from that tier below to step up, and that's what it comes down to. I mean, it's it's that way in other sports, it's that way at other positions. It's next man up. Someone goes down, the other guy's got to pick up the slack. No excuses. They just have to do it. And May didn't make any excuses. Aaron Loop didn't make any excuses. It's just a crappy day at the office. If it happened game seven of the season instead of game one, it's probably not so over dramatically talked about. But yeah, you're going to have your good days. You're going to have your bad days. And, you know, May said it best that ultimately what he has to do is put it behind him and move on because that's that's it. If you let it dwell, then you're not going to rebound and it'll turn into three, four, five bad outings in a row. So they just got to move on from it. And I think ultimately they'll they'll be OK there. But in regards to DeGrom, I, I want to touch on that for sure. When he was pulled, I was a little confused because I know that Louis Rojas said before the game that he could throw 100 pitches. So I said, all right, if DeGrom has a pitch count of 100, 77, they're pulling him. 
wasn't quite sure why. So I always wait till the after game. Uh, I don't even know what word I'm looking for. Uh, after game co- press conference. There you go. Where they talk about the decisions that they made. And I wanted to hear what Rojas and especially DeGrom had to say before I had a real big judgment. You know, I was a little, I was like, oh, 77, you could, you could get seven out of them and that'll keep, that'll likely keep them below the 100 pitch count, but he hasn't pitched in 10 days. He's got the start on Saturday. DeGrom straight up said, and DeGrom, we all know him. He's not afraid to be honest. He said he thought it was the right decision. He said, you know, I haven't pitched in 10 days. I didn't really feel right in my delivery the whole game. Oh, which, he didn't look upset. At, I want to make that yeah, clear, yeah. right? Like, people were like, oh, DeGrom has to be so mad. They showed yeah. him the dugout smiling, laughing, jacking yeah. off. Like, he was like, it was almost like he expected it. He was completely yeah. fine. Yeah, he he understood it all. To him, it made sense. And what I liked is that he said, look, if this game was on Thursday, like, you know, if our opening day was on Thursday like it was supposed to be, I would have pitched the seventh inning. Because I would have been, you know, on my normal rest, everything would have been right, he said. But after 10 days, six ups and downs, yeah, you know, getting up, getting down, he goes, it, it was the right time to do it. And yeah, I, I'm not freaking out about pulling DeGrom. It is a marathon. It is certainly not a sprint. He's got another start in five days, like you said, and maybe you could push him to 105 or 110 if, if you need to. But I think one thing people... It feels like people forget this every year, but it's the same story every year. Early in the season, pitchers don't pitch the amount of innings and pitches that they do in June and July. Every pitcher gets eased in. So Stroman, his cap might be 90-something pitches tonight. It's not impossible. So it's just, it's the nature of the beast. You have a very long season which starts every fifth day. You gotta you gotta space it out a little bit and let him let him get his legs under him a bit. So ultimately, like you said, it it didn't cost. I don't think pulling Degrom cost them because if he did pitch the seventh, that was the absolute most that he was going to pitch. He was there was no situation in which Degrom would have thrown the eighth inning. It wouldn't matter if he had a five pitch seventh inning or six pitch seventh inning. He would have definitely been pulled after seven for Trevor May. And they wouldn't have brought in Castro. They would have brought in Trevor May, and the situation would have wound up you know, likely very similar, just DeGrom would have gone an inning further. So a tough one, and I understand the frustration, but I think all in all, pulling DeGrom was not a bad decision. It just a, it just didn't work out. If May did his job, you know, like I said earlier, if May did his job and then they went to Diaz and he slammed the door, no one is, you know, we're not sitting here complaining about DeGrom getting pulled early. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it co- that's what it comes down to, and you know, ultimately, it just didn't. It didn't really change how the game, you know, went at all because he wasn't going into the eighth inning. Like he wasn't gonna have a, <laughs> he wasn't gonna have an eight pitch, seventh inning, be at eighty five pitches, and they're like, all right, let's push him to the eighth. Like I, maybe I'm wrong, and maybe people disagree with me, and that's okay. But I just, I just don't see the outcome of that. I guess the one thing that. I, I get it and I don't, and I, I really want your take because it's an underrated part of the game. May obviously has a tough outing, but he's someone that throws strikes and goes at guys and battles and, and will work through trouble. 
I thought it was a tough decision, and I'm not going to Monday morning quarterback it too much, but I do have to question, bringing in Loop to face Harper, knowing that there's only one out, so you're you're praying for the double play ball, because even if he got through Harper, and he didn't, he hit him, and looked terrible, then you have Real Muto, who's a righty, and that's just a terrible matchup for Loop, because of the new battery rule. So, this is, once again, this is totally me sitting at home during the game, sitting on the couch, you know, just being that person of, oh, I don't know about this. But when they went to loop, I sat there and said, man, I might let May battle through this because I don't, th- I'm not convinced we're getting the perfect outcome, right? Like, I'm not convinced Loop's getting the double play. It felt like they played for perfection rather than trying to grind through it like say may doesn't perfectly rebound right and he does give up two runs and the game's two two i mean that still would have been a better scenario i just don't see the scenario where like loop just fell apart out essentially in that at bat and it's just they played for the perfect scenario and i don't know if they have to always do that with this lineup as you saw in the ninth inning even with VR and Pilar doing nothing to kick things off, two outs, they started to chip away. I just, I don't know. I What did you think, Joe, at that underrated, like, it, it was, I get bringing in loop for Harper. I get, I understand the lefty specialist role. But with the batter rule and who was batting behind Harper, I, I didn't understand that at all. Yeah, no, I think that is something to at least, it's worth questioning for me. I didn't have an issue with it at the time because it just looked like May didn't have it. He wasn't throwing strikes That's like fair. he normally yeah. does. It just looked like May, to me... The ump sucked, if, by if, the if, way. Both sides. That? The ump was terrible. Oh, I just yeah. want to make that clear. Terrible. He had no feel yeah. of the strike zone. And I'm not saying it as a Mets fan. I'm saying it as a baseball fan. Uh, I mean, both sides, yeah. Both 100%. sides, he was he was horrific. Absolutely horrific. And it's yeah. just... it's I'm growing tired of this becoming an issue it feels like every three games that the ump has no feel of the strike zone well get ready elect electronic umpiring is coming soon enough do it i mean yeah don't it, care do it's, it it's coming soon enough but with that decision i feel like may was right on the verge of implosion because he wasn't throwing strikes he didn't really look he didn't look right and you know did the layoff affect him because for the lineup it took innings for the lineup to get going it looked like they were rusty I mean Matt Moore might have been should have been throwing 102 with the fact that he was blowing his fastballs by everyone for the first you know three and a half innings before finally he started falling apart but I think May was not in a position to continue on I understand the logic to your point he is a grinder he could battle through I think he had over 20 pitches too so he was he was really grinding through it and you know loop has fantastic numbers against lefties, and Harper is susceptible against lefties. Yeah, you you are playing for the perfect scenario for sure, but if May's still in the game, he might give up a grand slam to Harper. <laughs> and totally and then, fair. Totally. And then and then that's you know that's the ball game there. So I don't think there was a a winning move when it comes to May versus Loop. It just it would have been nice if one of them showed up because both of them did not in the same inning. Well, that there you go. There's really no answer at that point for the bullpen. Like you're not bringing in Familia, so it's no. not. 
I mean, <laughs> I, I guess if you push DeGrom to seven, in theory, you could have had Castro available in the eighth. But, you know, that's, again, I, yeah. We're, we're, since we're, I said we wouldn't overthink this, yeah, let, me, gonna, let me ask yeah. you something to really overthink it. Yeah. Do you dare put Diaz in there for a five-out save? You're asking the wrong guy because I'd put Diaz in any situation. I think he could do it. But it crossed my yeah, mind last he, night. I'm not saying this yeah. in the moment. I was like, "Wait, do you like?" I know people will laugh because like, "Oh, Diaz would walk him," but like, I thought about it. I'm like, it's the beginning of the year. It doesn't matter his usage. Yeah, I thought about it. I, I'm I forget where they were due up, so they would have had to work some kind of double switch, I'd imagine, because I think the pitcher spot was lead off or second, right? Because VR pinch hit for the pitcher spot. Yes. So. It was second because Nimmo led off and struck out, and then VR pinch hit. So you would have had to double switch somebody out. And but yeah, I mean, I'm down to put Edwin Diaz in any situation. So you're you're talking the guy I trust. You're I trust, a dangerous man. Yeah, I am. I trust him, but I understand also his numbers with runners on or not starting with a clean inning are not as good, and that goes back a couple of years now. So I understand that, but. Yeah, it, it's it's paralysis by analysis for sure, um, and that's something that you know. As, as we go on, we're not going to break down each individual decision. It just so happens that we don't have a week's worth of games to go through. We have one game, so we're going through you know each possible scenario. But putting in Diaz absolutely could have been an option. You would have had to double switch out. Who you'd have to take McCann out? Yeah, you would have had to take McCann out to. Um, have you know a hitter in that spot because otherwise edwin diaz would be up and batting okay so yeah, it's problematic all around yeah so ultimately it's i i hate saying this because i know everyone likes to get after manager but man people just gotta do their jobs that's yeah you're right yeah. i mean i so, could sit here some, and throw every scenario out yeah, it doesn't matter sometimes it's that simple if trevor may comes in against eight nine one he didn't face two three four three four five he faced eight nine one so you gotta you gotta do the job. It really yeah, nah, it, you're right. It sometimes is that simple. I know I know we're we're here to analyze things and obviously we have for the last whatever amount of time that we've been breaking down basically everything. I don't think there's any questions that we didn't touch <laughs> coming out of the opening day game. We covered every scenario essentially, but sometimes it's as simple as Dudes got to do their job. It, they get paid to do this. You know, the manager makes the decision, and we could question those till the cows come home. But if Trevor May comes in, strikes out two, and gets a pop fly, we're, we're in a different world. To the audience, I promise that I won't do this every week, where there's one game and I just sit and analyze inning by inning, being the worst person ever. Um, you know, it's we only had this one game to go through, and, it, you know, there was a lot of hype built around it. So... And this one from Adam isn't even a question, just a statement I wanted to get here. He said, well, we won't be going 162-0, but I'm still so happy the game I love is back. Let's go Mets. And I think that's truly perfectly said. I sat there and I was like, and I was in the point of like standing up, leaning against the wall, watching the TV. That's like a really bad sports version of me, where it's in the ninth inning when they got guys on, I was just leaning against, like head against the wall. And I'm just like, I'm ready to be hurt again. Um, so it was fun. It was fun to feel emotion, Mets baseball emotion again. I, I had a really good time. So, you know, I know everyone listening to this show is is already pondering their thoughts of game two. Like I said, next week we'll be excited to talk about uh, a full 
two series in the books of Mets baseball. But I wanted to get one question here that affects the Mets, but it's not a Mets question. That it isn't that won't be, you know, it's an evergreen question. This is from Joshua. He says, How do you think Tatis's pending injury changes the playoff race? For example, the wild card as the Mets Padres are predicted to land there mostly. So I mean, just really awful, number one, to see that. Uh, it kind of reminded me of the Conforto shoulder swing and overswing injury a couple of years ago. I mean, I don't have a timeline on this injury, but I, I was just curious because it is one player, although a megastar player. Uh, do you think that an injury like that, if it does pretty much cost him the regular season or close to it, does that already start to alter the National League landscape, Joe? It could. I mean, you're talking about the best player on one of the best teams being potentially wiped out. And I was going to say that about Conforto. It looked just like the Conforto injury. The reaction um, was the same. Yeah, it's scary. exactly the same. So, I mean, I know he's dealt with some shoulder stuff a little bit that he said he's fine, he's fine, he just works through it. It seems like it finally may have gave and he's getting MRI today. I'm sure by tomorrow we'll know kind of the real real deal, but if he needs surgery, that will wipe out his season. Um it's just a matter of what the MRI shows and I hope the best for Tatis, but yeah, of course of course it's it's going to it's going to impact things. There's no question about that. It's just a matter of how much does it impact because the Padres have a ton of good players. Uh, don't forget they signed Ha Sung Kim, who we spent plenty of time That's talking right. about this yes. offseason. So Ha Sung Kim is going to get a chance to be the everyday shortstop for the Padres for the time being. So they have they have a couple pieces that I think, you know, it's not Tatis, who's obviously one of the brightest stars in the game. But I think they, they have some pieces and they have a strong lineup. So they'll have a chance to, you know, keep trucking through and being a playoff contender. But... It really hurt me to see a player like that, so young, so good, and you hate. I hate seeing injuries on even my most bitter rival, but I hate seeing injuries for you know literally one of the stars of the game. I mean, he's on the cover of MLB The Show that comes out in a couple of weeks, so like literally one of the brightest stars of the game might miss the whole season if if the MRI goes as you know as badly as it could. But he's yeah, it's it's gonna be tough and. You know, I, I hope I hope he's back soon. Uh, now we have to wonder, is there a MLB The Show curse? Wasn't Javi Baez bad last year? He was bad last year. I don't even remember who was on the cover every year, but maybe there is an MLB The Show curse. We have to go back. Well, Bryce Harper was the year before that. I think he was good, right? That would be 2019. Yeah, he so was. So we'll have to. And then it was Judge the year before that, I think. I'm looking this up right now. Yeah, Judge probably got hurt. That's what he does. So I don't. That has nothing to do with the cover. That's just Judge. Yeah, Bryce uh, was fine. Yeah. In, in 2019. Oh, yeah. But. I mean, Bryce doesn't really have bad years. Yeah, Bryce is a stud for sure. But yeah, I mean, we'll see. We'll see what, what the MRI shows. Hopefully it's something like where Conforto had his deal where he only ended up missing a couple months. I think it was two to three months for Conforto, and he came back relatively quick and was seemingly okay. Um, Tatis, I know some people are worried it's season-ending. So, you know, if you're listening to this on Wednesday, you might already have the answer to this. But, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it impacts the whole race. But, obviously, losing a superstar and arguably your best player is not a good thing to happen on the fourth or fifth game of the season, whatever it was for the Padres. 
I'll just say, it, it is nice to have baseball back on the TV. It was very enjoyable. It was nice that it was SNY to kick things off. It was supposed to be ESPN. Um, and I did watch an ESPN broadcast over the weekend. And I was, it was probably Sunday Night Baseball. And I was just like, man, you know, Vazergan's great. but and, and I like Buster. But I've gone through this cycle with A-Rod where it's like, I you know, at first I was like, ah, A-Rod, ugh. And then, like, I grew to, like, not really dislike him and thought he actually said some bright things and now i'm back to the point with a rod where i'm just like dude shut up so it was nice to have sny for the first game uh like we said the show is sticking on the same schedule you'll get a midweek that's so mets for the big games joe and i'll find a way to record something but episode 37 joe closing thoughts the opening day edition let's go let's go tonight let's go one and one it's a long season. Get excited. I mean, it was a crappy way to end the game, but, you know, we got 161 more of these to go. So I I think we're in for a long summer of some fun times, some crappy times, and everything in between. Baseball's a roller coaster. Just enjoy the ride. I was going to say, I mean, when you look at it in the end, like, that that's just baseball. Like, you, nobody ever has... Like in football, you always have a team that wins like 13 ga- a couple of teams that'll win like 13 games, 14 games. Like fans of those teams that they don't really feel much like downers during the year. The best team in baseball or the best five teams in baseball, you're always going to have points of the year where you're just like, oh man, that was brutal. So no big deal. With a lot of ball games left. I know we're excited. And we'll have a lot to talk about next week because th- these are huge division series to start the game. I mean, as we record this now, the Phillies haven't lost a game. And then the Marlins for the long weekend. Three-day games in a row. I love it. All right, episode number 37 in the books. We'll catch everyone next week. I'm Amira Rose Davis, host of the new season of American Prodigy, all about black girls in gymnastics. My white coaches just said, you may not get the scores that you deserve because you're black, It's the story of a decades-long struggle of Black gymnasts trying to find and amplify their voices. I can't be the next Simone Biles. I can't be the next Dominique Dodds. I can only be the next version of myself. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts.